So I've been doing some fair dinkum book learning to try to keep up with you city slickers and want to dedicate this this show to the amazing women of Ocean Gate. I mean, they are submersible pilots. They are data analysts. They are business managers. They are engineering PMs. They are marketers. They are conservationists, explorers. They are, they are boats. They are captains. They are innovators and thought leaders all working together to open the oceans. I stand with the women of Ocean Gate. Thank you for your, your great work. Yeah, someone, uh, five people died on the submersible you were working on, but this year weren't a bunch of tired old white men. So we salute you. Okay, if you got to get anything done in this world, you've got to, you know, crash, you've got to smash, you've got to implode a, a few uh, submersibles. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the way it is. And, uh, Oh, man, I got the the chat display wrong yet again. So, I mean, it's very sad that, that five people died. But, I mean, when when have we ever had progress in this world without people, you know, suffering from some kind of implosion? So, at least they're women, man, and they're innovators, they're, they're boats, they're captains, they're, they're thought leaders, they're, they're submersible pilots. Fantastic job, ladies. Okay, so I've been doing some fair dinkum book learning. And have you have you heard about this thing called fascism? So fascism is a political ideology whose core theme is the idea of an organically unified national community. How wicked is that? Like, how evil is that? Just imagine living in an organized, unified nation state. I mean, that's bad. I mean, that's so evil, I can barely find the words. Fascism, the political ideology's core theme, is the idea of an organically unified national... Would you really like to live in some kind of unified community where people felt like strong ties and bonds to each other and were committed to the, to the wider people, uh, the wider nation-state? And I mean, just imagine that you lived in a country that was suffering under some outdated belief in strength through unity. There's no strength in unity. There's strength in disunity. What makes us great is diversity. Like the less we have in common, the better off, right? The less a society has in common, the less a people has in common, like just the stronger, better and finer and kinder, and more moral, more upstanding, more modern, more, more liberal, right? With, with like uh, constitutional freedoms and, and human rights and stuff. I mean, really, you want to live in some kind of united, unified country that believes in strength? It's so much better to live in a place with gay pride month and, and diversity. I mean, that's, that's really where it's at. So in, in fascism, the individual is nothing. But in, in America, the individual's everything and community sucks. Right? Individual identity must be entirely absorbed into the community in fascism, right? How retrograde is that? Just imagine you got your primary sense of identity, your entire sense of identity from being absorbed into the wider community. Like, where's the room for your individualism? I mean, how special are you then in, in this kind of fascist outlook? The fascist ideal is that of the new man, a hero, motivated by duty, honor, and self-sacrifice. I mean, this is really, this is wicked stuff, all right? Do not be motivated by duty, guys. That's being like a fascist. You need to let go of any notions of honor, right? Having, having 
notions of honor, right? That's fascist. You have outdated, you imprisoned in like, you know, outdated notions of honor. Yeah, they, they say like the mainstream, lamestream media is telling us that there's some kind of civil war going on in Russia. Yeah, that's all over the, the front page of the New York Times. But bro, when I go to Fox News, they're not talking about it. So yeah, you city slicker with your fancy book learning and your elites and your you know establishment media telling you all about some kind of civil war going on in Russia. But when I go to you know a, a trusted source like Fox News, right? place that's uh you know fair and balanced they're not talking about uh civil war in russia look if there was a civil war in russia bros tammy bruce and fox news would be talking about it so so don't give me this city slicker sophisticated you know civil war in russia stuff but uh, meanwhile personally I mean, these are actors talking Russian. Oh, man. Ian Miles Chong. Something There's been like two hours, Russia. and we, all we have for video verification are some random guns being shot into the air during a nighttime in presumably Russia. But no convoy video, no column video, no nothing other than... Jack, we've had, we've had, we have convoy videos, we just haven't been able to verify them. Guys, can everyone just stop? Everyone, please, can you stop? Guys, guys, can you just... Guys, please stop. Lev, what's the report from CNN? Lev, you got to unmute, Lev. Please, I just muted everyone. Look, muted everybody. If Lev. this was a real war, it'd be on Fox News. you got to unmute. To tell us what CNN is. Okay, war. yeah, you Fox muted. You, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. Russian general has accused Wagner leader of attempted coup. Russian send armed vehicles into the streets of Moscow. So even what? The, sorry, sorry. CNN what did what did? CNN, can you read out exactly what CNN said again? Sorry, Lev. Exactly. Can you read? Russian general. Russian generals accuse Wagner leader of attempting a coup. Russian sends armed vehicles into streets of Moscow. It's a Sirovikin and the other generals never said that he's attempting a coup, so I don't know who yeah, they CNN is citing here. They I don't just know told him to stand CNN out. Is citing. But I'll also say the convoy video, OSINT Defender posted a side-by-side -side of that video. No, we have, we do, yeah, this is, yeah, we do have a few of them, but we haven't shared any because they're not from sources we should share. Exactly, because just like all the other videos, they are unverified. And unverified, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to make what do you think is going on? Mario, like, I want to make Ian, I want to go to Ian and then we'll go to Mickey. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, just a brief correction uh, about what you said, Mario. The uh, video of the convoy was not of Wagner. We do not have any video of Wagner convoys. It is only yeah, I never said Wagner. Nothing to see here. Yeah, I was going to say everything. Everything's unconfirmed. Everything will be unconfirmed for a long time. I talked to him. I know a lot of accounts who disagree with the notion that it was widowed to the better set. Again, there's more videos coming out that are showing. But like everything is unconfirmed. But like, can we agree that something is happening at least? Like Wagner and the MOD. Like so there's, a, there's a, another or? video of helicopters patrolling the sky over Rostov. Uh, just posted now. Um, I do want to go to Mickey if you don't mind. Uh, uh, also, Igor is on stage, back on stage. So we'll go with an update from him right after. Uh, Mickey? 
Yeah, thanks. I mean, great conversation. Now we are, of course, we're we're doing some guesswork. It's so early, but my question is, what is the capacity of the Russian military to wage war against both Ukraine, Wagner PMC, and these Free Russia battalions, and and ostensibly the you know the industry of NATO? What's their capacity? How does this how does this threaten them? If you were a military commander for the Russians, it depends how big the column is that we still haven't seen videos of that's allegedly heading into Russia and whatever other resources. Mario, check your WhatsApp. I've seen whatever I've other resources. Whatever other resources Wagner might be able to maintain prior to being cut off, presumably by Russia, as soon as they could. Like, will Russia need to take? Uh, Mickey jumped out. Um, I do want to go to Igor and Patrick. Igor, um, we've seen the latest developments since we last discussed all this on stage. We do see, we're seeing unreported videos of um, clashes in Rostov between Wagner and the Russian military, obviously unverified again. Um, and we've seen more, uh, uh, since CNN called this an, a coup and uh, saying that the military is on the streets of, Ru of Moscow, uh, the capital of Russia. Your thoughts on what we've seen so far, Igor? Well, I think it's... It's not surprising because Prigozhin has been saying that he will be doing this for weeks. Um, there's now actually, just now a video uh, was shared uh, with alleged footage of uh, some Wagner vehicles going through a checkpoint being waved by. Yep, I've, um, seen, that. I've seen that video as what, well. What appears um, interesting that's being highlighted is the resistance in Rostov region that's been set up is Rosgvardia and the FSB, not the Russian army. So the Russian army doesn't appear to have been deployed. Okay, let's uh, give uh, Chuck Johnson a chance here. So, uh, oh man, I, I had it all, all pulled up and, and then I've and I've gone a loss. Okay, let's hear what Chuck Johnson has to say. Withdrawing their protections of the Russians. And we seem to be allowing the, the Chinese to carve up more and more of Russia, which I think will be the story of the next, basically the next decade and change. Um, the Ukrainians themselves are, are going to basically be the dominant player in Eastern Europe, vying somewhat for Poland with Poland. And the Turks... Um, basically, if you look at the new cabinet that was announced, the Turkish setup there was uh, was just extremely um, extremely exciting from a pro-American perspective. They're kind of moving in a pro-U.S. Pro direction. Add to that the situationship with the Indians, and it's looking pretty good. America's looking pretty uh, pretty strong right now. I've got to say. I don't really see a scenario whereby the the GOP can win that White House next year either. I mean, if the Ukraine war ends, it's going to be all the focus is going to be on the Saudis. And that'll be very, very bad for Mr. Trump, uh, because obviously he's very, very close with them. And I think I did a piece on that, which I can maybe share up in the Jumbotron. But and of course, the you know, I myself was hacked. OK, let me go back to the other other report which oh where 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 is it here we go successful which i think most if not all of us think this is highly unlikely that this coup will succeed um what does that mean for ukraine and does what does that mean for the rest of the world so if it is 
if the coup is successful, I don't think Prigozhin will stop at Gerasimov and Shoigu. He will have no need for Putin. And from that, I don't know how capable a country is going to be at waging war on foreign soil after a coup which will undoubtedly be bloody. There, this is just the beginning. There are, uh, uh, so Vladimir Osechkin, who does have uh, reliable historically sources in the Russian security services, he's gotten confirmation now that Wagner had shut down a Russian military helicopter and at least one crew member is dead. So who, who confirmed this, Igor? Who confirmed this? Uh, Vladimir Osechkin. And what's Vladimir Osechkin's position? Well, he is a, he fights for human rights. He's a, a Russian in exile in France. Would you have more videos of uh, showing convoy a convoy moving in Rostov? We don't know if this is a Wagner convoy or Russian military convoy. Um, that video just came out or as well. Civilian convoy, the one you this one, no, yeah, not the one I, I mean, sent I, you. I not the one I sent you. Question, but guys, I do ask in, in, in a sec, in a sec, Jackson. And just one thing I ask everyone: I think we, it's good to have disagreements. Generally, we're a lot more heated with debates, but I think now because a lot of things are unclear, we'll just try to keep it a, a, a more casual back and forth and discussion. Um, I'll, I'll ask oh, what, one more question, Igor, and then I want to go to, to Patrick, then you, Jackson, if you don't mind, because Patrick's been waiting for a while. Um, but the question to you, I have Igor, is and Ian, I've sent you that new video. Um, the question I have for you uh, is what happens. So you talked about Ukraine and, and the conflict in yeah. Ukraine cannot continue if this is a bloody coup. Obviously, the coup does not necessarily have to be bloody. If successful, it's a very big if. Um, it depends on who's on um, Wagner's side, Prigozhev's side, um, and and how you know what type of resistance they will face. Um, so we don't know how bloody this coup will be, and hopefully not too bloody, obviously. Um, but if it is successful. Um, other than the war in Ukraine cannot continue in the short term. In the long term, do you think it will continue? We know that Prigozhev and Wagner um, don't have any intention of, of stopping the campaign in, in Ukraine. Prigozhev does have a lot of nationalist supporters as well. Could we see an escalation in that war? Or is there a possibility that a deal would be brokered uh, under the new administration? Again, we're speculating here that this could be even successful. Um, so here's my view. The way that Prigozhev could build, and this is maybe what he has done, consensus among those that hold power in the current le regime is ending the war. Because this, this invasion was never popular <laughs> with people under Putin to begin with. Right. We remember some of those videos from the, from his National Security Council where people were shaking and suggesting, like, let's talk instead of invading. Um, this is. It's possible that Prigozhin has actually created a coalition within the regime who want to end the work as they understand that it's suicidal. And it, if it continues, it, it is going to be suicidal for Russia. And this might be their way to attempt to salvage the country to where Prigozhin, if he's successful, then is able to. OK, let's uh, give uh, Richard Spencer a chance here. 
conception of the original invasion of Ukraine, where it was presented as a kind of police action and to denazify Ukraine, you know, again, a, a somewhat ridiculous notion with some kernels of truth, um, a special military opposite, um, operation. It, basically, Putin, on the one hand, made this out to be this grand historical effort. Uh, so he released an essay about the unity of the Russian and Ukrainian people uh, a year or six months before the invasion. And this was about, you know, coming home again and Ukraine has no right to be separate and we're going to bring everyone back into the family. So it was this, you know, on, on one level, it, he, he had this historical ideology about what was happening. But on another level, it was a kind of special military operation to get rid of the Nazis. And he never fully mobilized the Russian people. Maybe he couldn't do that even if he wanted to. But that's definitely not his, you know, as this kind of former KGB guy, very flat person, that's not really his instinct to, you know, go out there and get everyone fired up for total war or something like that. And so I, I do think we're in this odd situation where, you know, the war has come home to Russia in a few ways. There was that, uh, you know, excursion by Russian nationalists who are fighting alongside Ukraine into Russia, which seems to have faded away. There was the apparent uh, drone bombing of the Kremlin itself, which also has kind of faded away. Well, this you know, if, you, if you're an average Russian and you hear that there's a violent coup performed by a paramilitary force, I mean, this this is shocking and, and, and terrifying. Like, you, you can't avoid it. And so I, I think we're in this, we're in this interesting situation where there, there are kind of multiple dynamics going on at the same time. There, there's Putin certainly wanting to win the war and, and, and willing to lose a, a huge amount of men in order to continue this campaign, and, and at the very least not to lose face, there's his unwillingness or even inability to mobilize the population in a way that 20th century leaders absolutely did. Um, and then there's this kind of new terror of is there actually a civil war? Are you going to have to choose sides? Is Russia collapsing? Are we, you know, are, are we headed towards chaos? Which, at least if I were living in Moscow or anywhere in Russia, I would be thinking myself. So that, that's kind of how I think of where we are right now, ideologically. Um, Boris, do you want to jump in? Oh, uh, Xbox. Yeah, Xbox, you can jump in after Boris. Yeah. Well, Richard and everyone, um, uh, I ca got caught a little flat-footed in this one. I was not able to take a deep dive; just didn't didn't have time today. Um, and kind of uh, looked at a lot of stuff uh, very quickly in in the last hour, literally. Um, looked at some Russian language sources. And uh, just just a few data points that, or they may not be data points, but something that might contribute to the discussion. So, 
Uh, first and foremost, um, Richard, I think to your point uh, that things might be going worse or a lot worse than um, what is uh, being uh, presented or uh, what what is known. Uh, I listened to today's video address by General Surovikin, who was um, at some point the commander uh, of the special military operation in, in the Ukraine and has since been appointed um, sort of a liaison between Wagner and um, and the Ministry of Defense, the, the regular troops. It's unclear to what extent his role is um, kind of carries commanding authority or it, it's, if he's just a, a guy facilitating or kind of trying to prevent tensions between Wagner and the regular military. He let perhaps a, a, in a slip of the tongue, but when he was talking about the need for um, putting aside all differences and in this difficult time for our country, we cannot be doing this, meaning Wagner, um, going back and asking for Shoigu's head, or we cannot be kind of pursuing different, even disagreements. Um, he kind of, he said something very odd. He said, I'm not quoting, but very close to quoting, as our soldiers um, are in the midst of a, uh, a very difficult battle with exceeding forces of the enemy. I mean, this, this was very clear. He was referring that the Ukrainian uh, forces opposing uh, the Russians um, at, at the front lines exceed them in some way, but he didn't specify what. It, Like I said, it might have been a slip of the tongue because it's kind of a, a cliche that people often use, but I thought it was interesting. The other thing that uh, I wasn't quite aware of but okay gonna leave that space i think the one i was on originally is the best one. Oh man and now i've lost it okay live q in russia here we go that's what i'm looking at right now but i think the reality is we're looking at a lot of videos right now that are unconfirmed some are geolocated we'll have a far clearer picture of this in the next 12 hours so, so just uh, Mario, I just want to, if, if everybody wants to do some just more research, if you look at the Google traffic from Rostov and kind of that generic area as well, th there is a significant amount of roadblocks, traffic jams. So, so the, the videos we're getting, some people have geo-confirmed. So we're getting videos, we're getting these reports across Telegram, and then we're also being able to correlate that and cooperate with that at hours at four in the morning where we have roadblocks and traffics occurring along major highways in Rostov. So that clearly shows that Rostov right now is a priority both for Prigozhin and Wagner are fighting against the Russian MOD. And we have a it report. doesn't clearly we it doesn't clearly show that all source not not even. Would you have, uh, okay, they have it's all insinuation, speculation, and unconfirmed posts? Okay, so we'll keep an eye on the purported civil war in Russia. Let's go back to our learning. I've been doing some fair dink and book learning to keep up with you city slickers so the fascist ideal is that of men who are motivated by duty right so if you want to be the opposite of fascist 
right? Don't be motivated by duty. The fascist ideal is a man who is motivated by honor, right? If you want to be anti-fascist, do not take into consideration honor. The fascist ideal is that man will be motivated by self-sacrifice, right? If you want to be anti-fascist, don't sacrifice yourself, right? The fascist ideal is you'll be prepared to dedicate your life to the glory of your people, right? So if you want to be anti-fascist, like dedicate your life to impurifying the vital bodily fluids of your people, right? For a fascist, they're all about giving unquestioning obedience to a supreme leader. If you want to be anti-fascist, like give the, give the bird, flip the middle finger to leaders. So fascism is a revolt against the ideas and values that dominated Western political thought from the French Revolution onwards. So if you want to be anti-fascist, be pro-French Revolution, be pro-enlightenment. So the words of the Italian fascist slogan, 1789 is dead. So if you want to be pro, no, anti-fascist, be for 1789 in France. Okay, so values such as rationalism, progress, freedom, and equality are overturned by fascism in the name of struggle, leadership, power, heroism, and war. So if you want to be anti-fascist, be rational, progressive, freedom-loving, and into equality, and turn your nose at struggle, leadership, power, heroism, and war. So fascism is largely defined by what it opposes. It is anti-rational, anti-liberal, anti-conservative, anti-capitalist, anti-bourgeois, anti-communist. So if you want to be anti-fascist, be pro-rational, pro-liberal, pro-conservative, pro-capitalist, pro-bourgeois, and pro-communist. So fascism, guys, represents the darker side of the Western political tradition, right? So fascism has transformed central values of the West. For fascists, freedom means submission. Democracy is dictatorship. Progress implies constant struggle and war, and creation is fused with destruction. So if you want to be anti-fascist, be free, be gay, be young, dumb, and full of cum. I mean, I know a lot of people are homophobic on this channel, but look, out there in the gay world, just as a starting point, your, your average gay is receiving three blowjobs a day, and, and that's just like a baseline. I mean, that's even before he starts breaking in erotic taboos at some monkeypox party. So, fascism is a complex historical phenomenon. It is difficult to identify its core principles. I thought we just identified its core principles. So most commentators treat Mussolini's fascist dictatorship in Italy and Hitler's Nazi dictatorship in Germany as the two principal manifestations of fascism. So Italian fascism was essentially an extreme form of statism that was based on a questioning respect and absolute loyalty toward a total state. So if you want to be anti-fascist, be opposed to the state, be an anarchist. So according to the fascist philosopher Giovanni Gentile, everything for the state, nothing against the state, nothing outside the state. So if you want to be anti-fascist, believe in nothing for the state, everything against the state, everything is outside of your state. So if it's really going on, it's going on outside of the nation state in which you live, right? If you want to be really anti-fascist. Okay, but anyway, did you, did you blokes know about racialism? So we all know that racism is bad. But I, I need to inform you that racialism is really bad. It's the belief that political or social conclusions
can be drawn from the idea that humanity is divided into biologically distinct races. That is such insane thinking. I mean, we all believe in evolution, right? It's good and holy and proper. Every educated, every enlightened, every right-thinking person believes in evolution. But we also understand that evolution did not create any differences between different types of people, right? Evolution did not work on, on homo sapiens, or it, it stopped making any differences. So even though different, you know, subspecies of, of humans uh, evolved over tens of thousands of years in complete separation from each other, that didn't produce any changes in mental structures. That didn't produce any changes in testosterone levels. It didn't produce any personality changes. It didn't produce any changes in the, the way people operate and organize themselves and whether they want to be law-abiding or not. So we're all down with evolution, guys, but evolution did not make any changes on Homo sapiens, right? It, it just, any changes with Homo sapiens, it, it stopped like 100,000 years ago. And so all the distinct you know, developments of Homo sapiens over the past 100,000 years, uh, evolution didn't make any changes there. So generally, all right, we're all on board with evolution. Evolution is true. Evolution is sacred. Evolution today, evolution tomorrow, evolution forever. But it didn't make any difference with regard to homo, homo sapiens, all right? No difference in the way that we evolved our mental faculties and, and other faculties, all right? So I just want to make clear, all right? So that's racialism if you believe that humanity is divided into biologically distinct races. Now, the, the really sad thing is most doctors are racialists because doctors understand that medications work differently on different races because they are biologically distinct. So doctors are racialists and doctors are bad. Don't see doctors. Doctors are very, very bad people. They believe in outdated, outmoded you know, notions of race. They, they think that there's like biological reality to race, that different medications work differently on different people, that like blood pressure readings have different significance to, depending on, on the race. Like doctors, man, they are just like racially profiling like mad. And they'll even like Sally, Dr. Sally Sattel, she'll even write a bloody op-ed in the New York Times. She'll write like a long, seemingly learned essay in the New York Times magazine announcing that she's a racially profiling doctor and any doctor who doesn't racially profile is committing malpractice. Well, doctors bad because doctors believe that there's some kind of biological reality to race. And they believe that, like, bloody hell, different medications, you know, have different effects on different groups. And you have to take, you know, race into account when you're treating people. So doctors, very, very bad. They treat race as though it has meaning and significance, and it doesn't. That's racialist, right? So another assumption behind racialism is that genetic divisions are reflected in cultural, intellectual, and moral differences, making them politically and socially significant. Okay, so... This whole idea that we evolved, you know, differently, the different types of homo, sap homo sapiens evolved differently over the past 100,000 years. This didn't make any different biological or genetic changes, right? Racial differences are not meaningful. They're just entirely a social construct, despite what doctors believe with all their, their racial profiling. Can't believe that we're still racial profiling in 2023. And then crazy, crazy notion that people think that different races produce different cultures, that the different races produce, you know, different intellectual achievements. I mean, everyone knows that every group has contributed equally to culture, to intellectual achievements, 
to technological achievements, to literary achievements, to like space. I mean, even Africa has got a, had had space programs. Right? This is just crazy talk that 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 there are like you know, meaningful biological genetic differences among people that result in cultural, intellectual, and moral differences. Crazy, crazy talk. Right? So political racialism. You got to watch out for that because you know what political racialism can lead to. It can lead to people believing that their racial in-group somehow deserves its own safe space. That that their their own like racial in-group deserves to set the terms for their own culture. And we all know that every culture must bow the knee before the United States of America and Pride Month. We can't allow any culture on earth to not celebrate Pride Month. And if we we find a culture out there, whether it's in the Middle East or in Central America or South America or in darkest Africa or in China, right? any culture out there that does not celebrate Pride Month and does not have gay marriage, right? we have to invade it right now and set it free and, and liberate people from these outdated notions of uh, racialism. So had you ever heard about racialism before? Apparently, racialism... And racial theories of politics first emerged in the 19th century. Right? They developed through a combined impact of European imperialism. In other words, when Europeans first met black people, and then, then they started developing all these outdated, discredited notions of you know, biological theories associated with evolution. Right? They, they, they developed these theories that uh, because different peoples evolved completely separately from each other over the course of tens of thousands of years, that somehow in the course of evolution and tens of thousands of years completely separated from other peoples, that they evolve like different biological, different genetic, you know, different like structures of the brain, different personality traits, like crazy, crazy talk. This is bad, very, very bad. So by the late 19th century, there were these crazy ideas that there were somehow racial, biological, genetic differences between white, black, and yellow peoples of the world. And this was, used to be widely accepted in European society. I mean, extending beyond the political right, it included many liberals and even socialists. Now, why on earth would people go for this kind of crazy, crazy, totally discredited type of thinking? Well, here's the attraction of racialism. It offers a simple, firm, and apparently scientific explanation for social differences and national differences. See, if it wasn't for this perfidious notion of racialism, no one would ever draw in-group, out-group distinctions, right? This is just crazy talk. Like, we naturally recognize the humanity of other people. I mean, except for those who, who don't. I mean, yeah, where you start dividing people into groups, like group A and group B, and people in group A will automatically start looking for all the ways that uh, uh, group A is superior to group B. And I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist, and so I grew up believing the Seventh-day Adventists were, were God's chosen people. And so, yeah, these in-group, out-group differences were really important in my benighted upbringing. And so I guess, yeah, some people think like being Christian or not Christian or being Muslim or not Muslim or being Jewish and not Jewish. So I guess humanity divides up on in-groups versus out-groups, even without this whole racialism thing. So really, racialism isn't really that essential for seems to be the, the normal natural human condition of dividing into in-groups and out-groups. Well, th here's the problem with racialism. It claims that there, there are like genuine differences between 
peoples. And we all know that's not true. Like, love is love. People are people. There's no difference. Like, everybody hurts. I mean, people in Africa, they hurt. Like, everybody cries. I mean, you don't think they have long days in Africa and Japan? You don't think, you know, the night, the night is yours alone in, in China? Well, you don't think people in Russia think that they've had enough of this life? Well, I say to you, hang on. Don't let yourself go because everybody cries. Everybody hurts sometimes. Because sometimes, whether you're in Africa or in the Arctic or, or Russia or China or Japan, sometimes everything is wrong. So now it's time to sing along. Because when your day is night alone, hold on, hold on. If you feel like letting go, hold on. If you think you've had too much of this life, well, hang on because everybody hurts. Red and yellow, black and white, Christian, gay, straight, Muslim. Right? If you think you've had too much of this life, hang on because everybody hurts. Take comfort in your friends. Everybody hurts. Okay. Crazy, crazy. All right, guys, racialism has little or no empirical basis, right? There's absolutely no reason to think that evolution has made any effect on different types of homo sapiens, right? Like uh, Africans are just like us, right? They're just friends we haven't made yet. The Japanese are just like us. The, the native natives from Central America and South America, they are just like us. It's only that they've been more oppressed by, you know, outdated hierarchical uh, traditional social structures that have inhibited the full flourishing of their human potential. So what's important is that we dispel ignorance and enable people to become enlightened so that their full human potential can be unleashed. That is what I dedicate this show to. So know that racialism has no empirical basis and, well, all in-group, out-group distinctions, they d never really depend upon any empirical basis. Like I grew up thinking it was really important whether people were Christian or not Christian, but there wasn't any significant moral difference between Christians and non-Christians. I used to think it's you know, really important whether or not you believe that God wrote the Torah or God didn't write the Torah, but it, it turned out there wasn't any significant moral difference between the people I, I knew who were Orthodox Jews and believed that God wrote the Torah and those who didn't believe in God. So apparently human beings just carve themselves up into in-groups and out-groups, and it doesn't really matter whether there's an empirical basis for doing so, so, but then the problem with, with this realization is that then, you know, racialism is not such a big deal. It's just a normal, natural, what? My God, even a healthy expression of the natural human tendency, God forbid, to carve up into in-groups and out-groups? No, that's bad. Don't, don't follow that logical train of thinking. Logic is white supremacist, right? If you are watching this show and you are starting to think logically, all right, you are a hater and a, probably a fascist and a white supremacist. So the political success, guys, of racialism is associated largely with this capacity to generate simple explanations and solutions and to harness personal and social insecurities to political ends. Well, couldn't you say the same thing about the political success of religion, of uh, distinctions of uh, social class, uh, distinctions of political and sexual orientation, isn't this associated with a capacity to generate simple explanations and solutions and to harness personal and social insecurities to political ends? I mean, aren't all in-group identities a way to harness personal and social securities, insecurities to political ends? But that's logical thinking. And 
logical thinking is white supremacist so don't be a white supremacist like don't be standing back here now clinging to your guns and religion right so yeah around here we don't divide people up on the basis of race but i guess everyone then divides people up on the basis of other things like ideology or geography or religion or social class or sporting allegiances so Gosh, it sure seems like we're wired to bond with an in-group, a tribe, and to feel suspicion and superior to outsiders. It's really sad. My real-life experience is that most, you know, left-wing commies, socialists, you know, most egalitarian feminist types, they still have this absolute need to dismiss much of humanity as trash, like flyover country, just trash. Right, now, they don't do it, thank God, Baruch Hashem, they don't do it on the basis of race. But they do it on the basis of, you know, a lack of enlightenment, lack of, you know, reflexive, disciplined, liberal values. And naturally, they bewail the primitives who cling to guns and, and religion. Hmm. So I'm kind of perplexed. As I read this, this you know, highfalutin book for city slickers. It's an academic book. Came out in 2013. Predisposed liberals, conservatives, and the biological biology of political differences. This is really disturbing. So it says the political left has been associated with support for equality and tolerance of departures from tradition. The right is more supportive of authority, hierarchy, and order. So it says we'd be better off if we view our political adversaries not with scorn, but with a grudging recognition that they experience a different world. But here's the problem, blokes. If we start extending some kind of grudging recognition that you know, different peoples experience the world differently. What you're essentially promoting here is racialism. It's like this kind of idea that different peoples have different, you know, brain structures and personality structures. So on the one hand, yeah, this sounds all well and good to extend grudging rep recognition that people who think differently from you experience a different world. But let's not forget that this is all underlined by racialism and, and fascism and logical thinking, which is white supremacist. Okay, so having to rely on sarcasm to keep from getting banned helps sustain our democracy. That's, that's right. Okay, so we've got tanks rolling down the streets. So we're going to keep an eye on the, what the, the lying, lamestream, mainstream media is trying to tell us is some kind of uh, coup in Russia. But right now, don't listen to what they're saying. It's all a distraction from Hunter Biden's throbbing member. If anything was really going on in Russia right now, it would be on Fox News. But instead, Fox News is telling us about the New Testament that, and uh, Hunter Biden. And so if, if, anything, if anything is really happening in the world, you can rely on Fox News. So don't believe the lying media that's trying to tell you that tanks are rolling down the streets. And gosh, so sad that so many people don't realize that Fox News is the only news that you can trust. All right, so, so this crazy book, Predisposed Liberals, Conservatives, and the bio uh, Biology of Political Differences, it wants us to accept that political orientations are connected to deep physio-cognitive predispositions in a broadly predictable fashion. Doesn't that sound like racialism? That sure sounds like racialism to me, right? This, this, this highfalutin... City Slicker book by three academics were all on the left, right? These three academics are all on the left. 
predisposed liberals, conservatives, and the biology of political differences. They want us to accept that political orientations are connected to deep physio-cognitive predispositions in a broadly predictable fashion. That's what we just learned is racialism, and racialism's bad. So acceptance of the type of thinking that these three city slicker lefty academics want us to accept, right, requires that we reject two widely accepted assertions, right? They want us to reject the assertion that all politics is culturally and historically idiosyncratic. So one society might be concerned with famines and droughts, another with superpower across the river, another with protecting mineral riches, right? If this is true, if this is what politics is all about, it's just culturally and historically idiosyncratic, then it's pointless to try to generalize about political divisions, patterns, and viewpoints, let alone this crazy idea that evolution you know, had some shaping function on, on the development of uh, Homo sapiens. Right? Second assertion that these three city slicker lefty academics who wrote this book predisposed that they want us to deny is that though human physical traits obviously vary. Yeah, I mean, obviously you see dramatic you know, physical differences between different peoples you know, whose, whose ancestors evolved completely separate from other peoples. And so, yeah, you see some obvious physical differences between like West Africans and East Africans. You see obvious physical differences between like the Japanese and the, and the Russians. You see obvious physical differences between, say, Northern Europeans and, you know, natives from Central America. But don't believe your lying eyes. Don't think that with all these dramatic, obvious physical differences, don't believe with all the doctors out there practicing their, their fancy racial profiling and, and, you know, treating, you know, people of different races as though they have different predispositions to, you know, different medication and, you know, using like wholly, you know, racist, you know, blood pressure uh, level checks, you know, all sorts of different ways that they treat people, you know, depending on race, right? You got to reject that. That's, that's bad. So these three lefty academics say the second assertion that they want us to deny is that though humans' physical traits vary, we all share the same basic psychological, emotional, and cognitive architecture. That's what I thought. I mean, yeah, we evolved completely separately for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, completely separated from each other. But all this human evolution in completely different environments, different circumstances where we were adapting and surviving of the fittest, but that didn't create any, this is what I always believe, this didn't create any changes in psychological, emotional, or cognitive architecture between the peoples. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I've met West Africans and East Africans and Chinese and Japanese and, and Native Americans and you know indigenous Mexicans, I mean, they all strike me as having identical psychological, emotional, and cognitive architecture. This is crazy talk. So from, if from a behavioral point of view, human architecture is all the same, follows that differences in political or orientation cannot be more than skin deep, and physio-cognitive predispositions are irrelevant. Well, what they want us to believe, let's get down to brass tacks, what these lefty professors want us to believe, that different groups have different gifts. They want us to believe that different peoples have different gifts, the different groups, like, are good at some things and not so good at other things. They want us to believe that, like, race, you know, signifies something more than skin color, that it reflects basic, you know, psychological, emotional, and cognitive architectural differences in peoples. We all know that's racialist and that's bad because they're coming from an insecure perspective where they just want simple solutions and they're just trying to paper over their own, you know, feelings of inferiority and anxiety. Well, this book 
claims that uh, these assertions about the nature of politics and the nature of human beings are incorrect. Right? They want us to believe that these assertions are backwards. The traditional women, wisdom asserts that politics varies and human nature is universal. They want us to believe this crazy thing that politics is universal and human nature varies. Yeah, like the human nature, someone from West Africa, is that any different than the human nature of an Eskimo or some, an Ashkenazi Jew or a, a Japanese person? Crazy, crazy talk. So this is what they're arguing, these three lefty academics behind the book Predisposed on the Biology of Political Differences. They claim, oh, evolution is the process of species adapting to their environment. That's true, but it's not true when it comes to Homo sapiens, right? Evolution has nothing to do with, with, with people adapting to their environments because we're all the same, right? So they claim that because the environment is a moving target, the process is never ending. So crazy talk. They want us, they want us to accept that uh, human evolution is ongoing and even rapid, and that it produces, you know, different groups with different gifts. Crazy, crazy talk. And they claim, right, that evolution is not a destination. It's a temporary and lagging accommodation to environmental realities that existed at a certain time that the environment shifts again. Evolution will move in a different direction. And so no genetically based political predisposition is rightly viewed as more or less evolved. That's crazy talk. We all know that people on the left are more evolved than people on the right who are just primitive, clinging to their guns and religion. So, used to be existence in hunter-gatherer societies prior to the advent of mass agriculture was short and is filled with, you know, a remarkable range of threats. So, you live in a high-threat environment, you're going to favor your own in-group, you're going to have a highly negative attitude towards out-groups. Thank God we live in peace and prosperity, and every time we see someone who's different from us, that's just a friend that we haven't made yet. Okay, I wonder what's going on in Russia. Why Rostov is important, and that's because it's a massive rail linkage point and logistical base for Russian troops already deployed within Ukraine. So if Prigozhin is looking for a bargaining chip, then Rostov is a massive one. So would you have, uh, and I want to ask my question again, uh, would you have troop movements in the center of Rostov now? Um, yeah. Also, can you check? Yeah. Tanks and armored vehicles have arrived in the building of the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation in Rostov, and the streets are blocked. And it appears to be, it's unclear if they are Wagner, but I think they are, possibly. Who knows? Yeah, I can see that video. There's tanks and armored vehicles at the building of the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation in Rostov, um, and all the streets are blocked. And it's a very clear video. Yep. Crazy. Don't, don't Basically, with everything that's happening, minute by minute, we're getting more and more reports that, that this is an attempted coup and there is something going on and everything that Jackson and Patrick are saying is nonsense. Uh, I want to move away. I, I want to move away from There's this. Actually, I wanna... Wait, wait, wait. I got one I, thing I got to say. Don't There's do actually that. Actually <laughs> no, zero evidence that this is an attempted coup, but let's continue. All right. So, so I, mean, I want to... Yeah, there's nothing going on here. Okay, let's cut live to the Russian information minister. Okay. Nothing going on here. Nothing going on here. Good morning. Yeah, nothing's going on. They're all liars. What is the situation today here in Baghdad? It's good, as you see. It's good. The traffic. They they are trapped everywhere in the country. Trapped, absolutely. They are trapped in Unqasr. They are trapped. Well said, sir. Well said. 
right? Don't believe the lying lamestream media, right? Just trying to distract you from Hunter Biden's penis. I mean, that's the real story. Right, let's, let's to verify and he makes correction if it's not verified. So Walmart included video showing tanks and armament. We'll include it in the thread above. It's pinned above with updates on everything for the audience. And I'll give a general update in a bit as well for anyone that joined recently. But it shows ta- uh, soldiers walking with two tanks and various other military vehicles that arrived at the building of the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation in Rostov. That's at the Ministry of Defense building in Rostov and the streets are blocked. Uh, Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, just a, just a quick point of argument on, on debating. Uh, Lev said to show evidence that there's not a coup happening. That's a logical fallacy, Lev. Um, the people made a positive claim that there is a coup happening. So all I'm doing is asking for evidence to prove that positive claim. That's all. That's just basic critical thinking. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that, Patrick. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to include those videos in a bit. Uh, in the meantime, what I'll do is I'll give the mic um, to maybe all sorts. If you can just give us a general overview of everything we know so far. Um, how it all started, you know, two, three minutes, how it all started, and uh, all the way up to what we know now, if you don't mind, also. I'm sorry, Mario, also, yes. can, I just, can I just say really quickly, um, War Monitor's posted another video, and he's saying the troops in Rostov are Russian, and it's a very clear video. Okay, so the troops, uh, so the first video... Uh, tanks and armored the vehicles are on the building. Really the okay, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't say. Sorry, so yeah, yeah. He does not say this is Wagner tanks. And I read it already. I didn't say Wagner. Um, so we don't know if this yeah, is they're Wagner. Not Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Russian and War Monitor okay. saying these are <laughs> Russian soldiers at the Ministry of Defense. Russian. Yeah, yeah. And and it's important to realize that. Like yeah, and and it would take longer for Wagner troops to arrive to the city to the there. Ministry of Defense Correct. if they ever do. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and Walmart did post those videos, um, everyone could see them there. But yeah, also, if you could just give us a, a general overview. Um, um, so yeah, government yeah, of Southern so Russian, Mario, four seconds ago, government of Southern Russian Voronezh region urges residents to avoid the M4 motorway leading to Moscow. Uh, go ahead, Suleiman, and then also give it, I would love an update. No, just to, just to clarify, I mean, I, I think it's obvious what you said, but I just want to clarify. So you're saying it's the Russian military, are you saying, or just the Russian, or is it Wagner Group? Which Russian, so the, the tanks, the videos that also, uh, sorry, War Monitor posted, and you can, everyone can check War Monitors with an S. Uh, he posts a lot of updates along with OSINT Defender and other channels. Um, and he showed tanks on the streets in Rostov. I think that's one you referred to, um, uh, uh, Ian. And then it shows yeah. troop movement in the center of Rostov as well. And then we see the tanks and armored vehicles arrived at the building of Ministry of Defense in the, of the Russian Federation in Rostov. That's Russian military. And then he puts another tweet out confirming these are Russian troops. And then he puts a tweet out about avoiding the M4 motorway. Um, also, go ahead. Can you see how pushback's important? Because people automatically use that as evidence initially that it's Wagner. Some people try to push back. I mean, now we found out it's not Wagner. So what I'm saying is that's the reason we have pushback from both sides. Go ahead, Alsos. No, so, and again, I, I just, I, you know, and I agree with that, that I know what War Monitor is saying, but he's probably pulling it from the same Telegram channels and some, it, so again, this is the difficult. But it seems, well, you'd agree, but it, just it's important, it, you'd agree that the, um, it, it's highly unlikely to be Wagner. Is that, also, so you'd agree with that as well? It's too. So I, I think, I think there's, I think the, the, the question that we're running into, right, is that a lot of these claims are coming from local Telegram channels. And then, so it, it, I don't believe Wagner. Well, can you is see how you're making the exact same argument they're making? You're getting upset. Anyway, no, 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 no. What, no. No one's getting upset. Let's, can you stop, Suleiman? I just asked Eleven Patrick to stop that. Just stop attacking each other. Um, and, and, civilians are all out in the open. They're just taking videos, watching what's going on. There's soldiers running across the street, and everybody's just chill. 
and everyone was chilled and, and everyone was chilled before the war in Ukraine. Um, but yeah, that's that's a positive condition. Well, I, mean, I, I think, like, and, and, and more importantly, we haven't now. seen other than that video we heard earlier in Rostov and the reports of a helicopter being shot. There has been no new reports Zero. of any clashes. Now that could mean one of two things. It could mean that you know, there's no evidence that any helicopter has even been shot down. Right? There is no. There's 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 no evidence. Pretty much, there's no evidence of anything right now. No real evidence. It's just. Yeah, that uh, just seems like BS, Mr. Gozen. Um. Again, we don't know if it's BS either. We just don't know yeah, anything. It could be. No, Ian, I don't Hold on, hold on, Mario. I'll, I'll bring my bait. I'll, I'll do it again. But even with these claims that they're saying that they're clearly Russian military, right? I mean, it's also it. You know, there, there has to be also this notion that. Because, again, we said it earlier, just because they're Russian military, the question that we don't know, and first of all, it's kind of, okay, how do you actually confirm that they're Russian military? Just the same, well, what is Wagner? What is Russian military? That's number one. So everything is unconfirmed until more information comes out. But two, the other problem we're going to run into is if Wagner starts claiming that Russian military units, which they have claimed, which they have claimed, we have no way of confirming it, they have claimed this, though, that some elements of that, at least the Russian border guard services, and some we've heard reportings of some elements of the FSB. Again, these are all Prigozhin claims. We can't confirm. Maybe even Russian military are joining Prigozhin. The problem we're going to run into is then how do we differentiate between Russian military loyal to Shoigu, for example, and then Russian military units loyal to Prigozhin? But that's that's the pro that's going to be the problem when we're dealing with this and everything is unconfirmed. But tomorrow, to your point, okay, so. What okay? Let's go. Let's just go from May quickly 2020, uh, 20, uh, May twentieth of twenty twenty three. Right? Wagner claims that they seized Bakhmut. Bakhmut fall is now under Russian territorial control. Shortly thereafter, Prigozhin said we're pulling out of Bakhmut, which actually that has basically been confirmed. Wagner then slowly started to pull out of Bakhmut, but it felt like the Battle of Bakhmut caused enormous amount of tensions between Prigozhin and then the Russian Ministry of Defense, specifically Shoigu and Gerasimov. Shoigu is the Minister of Defense. Gerasimov is the general, the, uh, uh, the chairman of the general staff of the Russian military. Because Prigozhin, rightfully or wrongfully, was claiming that the Russian Ministry of Defense was not providing the level of support that he needed to be more successful. And then the Russian Ministry of Defense has always been very skeptical and very cautious of supporting Wagner because they didn't want to create basically this, this a military force more powerful than the Russian military, uh, at least in certain sectors of, this, of, of the Ukrainian front. Right. Okay. So that's kind of where we at. From May 20, 2023, to basically, let's say, till yesterday, what, June 22nd, there has been more and more videos of Prigozhin heavily criticizing the Russian Ministry of Defense, blasting claims that, for example, saying that the Russian Ministry of Defense is completely incompetent, that the Ukrainian, this is Prigozhin's words, basically saying that Ukraine has had more success in the counteroffensive and that they're being sabotaged. And, and, and even going against the entire notion of why Russia invaded Ukraine, the claims that, you know, they were protecting the Donbass, NATO, et cetera. Prigozhin released a video yesterday saying this is all bullshit. That's not what happened. And we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And, and Prigozhin has been very hawkish in his approach against fighting Ukraine. He's always demanded more, not less in his fight against Ukraine. Today, Prigo Wagner and the Wagner, you know, official kind of telegram channel released a video claiming that one of their camps, probably in Luhansk region, was attacked, but it was attacked by the Russian military that, quote, that caused, quote, per Wagner's word, significant casualties, and basically declaring war on Shoigu and Gerasimov. So then what Prigozhin claimed on, on Telegram is that we are now doing a march for justice, quote, unquote, against the, 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 the top elements of the Russian Ministry of Defense. The Russian government basically responded and in summary stated that what Prigozhin is doing is an armed rebellion. That's basically the, the core theme that they're saying. 
They've they started with initiation and investigation, and now they have an, they've ordered an arrest warrant against Prigozhin, right? From there, we started getting claims both from you know local sources in Rostov as well as unconfirmed reports from Prigozhin and some even some Russian military bloggers of Wagner then advancing to Rostov Nodov, which is a key city in the state of Rostov that serves prior to the war, the invasion, Russia's invasion in 2022 against. Ukraine was the headquarters of the Southern Military District of the Russian military, and then it was also now the headquarters of the overall Russian military campaign against Ukraine. And Prigozhin has said he had a convoy and he was launching an offensive against Rostov, or he's marching towards Rostov for a march for justice. That That is, I think, is kind of undisputable. That is all what we have. From that point to now, in the last couple of hours, what we're getting is a significant increase of Russian military activity and deployment of forces, both National Guard and what appears to be Russian military, you know, Russian army personnel in Rostov. Specifically in, in, in Rostov, mostly we saw Krasnodar as well, which is further to the, to the west of Rostov, and then north in Moscow as well. Uh, uh, Wagner claimed to have shot down a Russian military hop- helicopter. Wagner Prigozhin also claimed that, that, you know, the Russian Air Force was ordered to do an airstrike against the the, uh, uh, the Wagner convoy, which uh, uh, they claimed that the Russian Air Force pilots and those did, did not get involved. And then we got footage about an hour ago of first shootings and fighting in about the northeastern sector of Rostov. And from there to now, what we've mainly seen now that is basically dawn, uh, uh, dawn in, in uh, uh, Rostov is mostly what appears is Russian army activity. It's hard to really confirm one way or another. Uh, uh, being very prevalently active in downtown Rostov. I would agree that if we're getting footage right now of the actual city in, like, the, let's say the downtown area, that's more than likely Russian military and not Wagner because of the importance of how that, that of Rostov served for the overall invasion of Ukraine. So these footages that we're getting out that appear to be in downtown, and most of these will look like are getting geo-confirmed, I would suspect that those are Russian National Guard and uh, uh, army more in the outskirts because there's also footage of these tanks and vehicles and convoys in the outskirts there is a possibility that that's wagner but the problem we're going to run into about this is that unfortunately unlike ukraine and russia let's say in zaporizhia where generally ukrainians wear yellow or there's definitive identifier based on uniforms wagner and and, and the russian army for the most part operate the same equipment you know wagner has different uniforms in the russian military generally you know, and, and, and it's also difficult to kind of understand because sometimes we've seen Wagner being in Russian military extremely well equipped, and we've also seen them not very well equipped. Also, so can I can I ask you, let me the, let me ask you a question if you don't yeah. mind? Also, the the, the fact um, the fact that we we haven't seen more reports of clashes um, is that a concerning development? Because if we let's say we know, and obviously we don't know anything for sure. But let's say we assume the same way we're assuming the tanks at the Ministry of Defense are Russian tanks. We're assuming that Wagner forces are at least in the state um, of Roskov. So assuming that and, and not having any more reports of clashes, um, does what does that mean? Does that mean that there are factions of the Russian military that have that are supporting Wagner? Because otherwise we'd see the Russian military crush Wagner relatively quickly. I mean, that's, I, I think, I mean, we can't jump to that conclusion because the vast majority of the Russian military right now is prioritizing the war in Ukraine. I mean, that, that's what's going on. Um, and so what the, the but the, the other thing, Mario, to your point is that dawn is breaking. Generally, when what we've seen, you know, in, in this war, 
now that it's daytime, first of all, we also have to assume is that if Russia's based, we don't know how long they've been planning this, how how much forces they managed to deploy inside of Russian territory. But you also have to assume if the assumption is that they push from Luhansk, right, the Wagner, to go to Rostov, that's going to take hours and hours and hours. And what we've also seen in, in by just Google Maps traffic, right, we've seen roadblocks being established along a lot of highways. We've seen roadblocks, traffic jams, et cetera. And so if Wagner's pushing for Luhansk, I think one of the, this is maybe where I'm a little bit, we can also say why we haven't seen that much conflict. One is nighttime. Generally, we'll probably see more fighting during the day if that gets to that point, which is not a certainty. Let's make that clear. But second is, I don't think Wagner, unless they really did this under the radar, which I don't think they would have, like secretly got thousands of troops into Russia territory without nobody noticing. I think they might have just initiated can you, so, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, also, yeah. so if you can see the footage that's being shared in our group, um, you could see people in the, uh, soldiers in the city of um, in the city of uh, of Rostov, and they're pointing. They're all looking at, at a location like it's like they're engaging there, and then they're pointing the gun there. We don't have any footage or anything of them shooting. But can you look at those photos? Because we talked about this being the Russian military. Can you look at those photos? Tell me how you would interpret it. So if anyone I'm listening, they just. At, 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 I can give a, a first glance here. Please. Well, we'll also takes a look so what i'm looking at so you're looking at the, the initial photo is about five guys right um i'll i'll add you to the breaking news group that we have uh, five so okay. three soldiers another one has one soldier another one has five soldiers in the street and pointing guns i'll send them to you on whatsapp yeah, now yeah. i'll send them to you on whatsapp now so you can see it um and then and then you know if that's the same ones you're looking at that was from the war monitors telegram group yeah yeah, yeah. we're looking at the same thing okay, okay. So in this case, what I'm seeing right now, number one, the, the kit is inconsistent amongst all the soldiers, which means, you know, so kit amongst the Wagner group is inconsistent. That being said, kit is also inconsistent amongst uh, Rosgardia or the Russian National Guard. Um, what I will say is in one of these photos, there looks to be uh, a tiger, which is, you know, the Russian equivalent of basically like a Humvee or an MRAP. Um, and that has the Rosgardia uh, insignia on it. So my first guess is that these are Rosgardia because of the, the inconsistency of Kit and also that, that tiger. Um, but that being said, and I think this is something that Allsource kind of hinted at earlier, it's going to be incredibly hard in, for these next couple of hours for identification unless Wagner decides to like put Wagner patches everywhere to denote themselves as different because they're running very similar Kit. They're running very similar camo patterns. And so, you know, keep an eye out for patches or armbands or something that would differentiate someone. But as of right now, I'm, I'm going to say 60% these are Ross Guardia units. No, I, you know what? If I'm going to respectfully disagree yeah, go with ahead, say, go ahead. The, the, the Guardia is the Russian National Guard. And here's why I would disagree. So if you – those are the pictures. Austin, look at the video, right? That, what that shows – this video shows – because that's the pictures, but there's a video. First of all, you're pointing a rifle. Like if you're securing something, you're not pointing a rifle at a building. That that means there's a threat, right? You would generally try to secure the area with presence. Just that your your, your physical presence is what you do to secure. But if you see the video, what they're doing is they're securing. They're securing. Like they're, they're basically setting up a perimeter, and you're seeing mobilization of forces going around, right? What in Rostov. Ross Guardia truck. There's a Ross Guardia truck. There's an Amrap. Right, but again, this is the, but 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 it, it's again, Ian, I don't just like this is so we don't know, yeah, yeah, so we don't exactly. We're just all trying to speculate what's happening here. But you're, what you're saying also is there could be the Russian military. So it could be either Wagner, which we all don't think it is, or factions of the Russian military taking over the building. So if even if it's the Russian military, but, but the, the, it's just the, the tactics they're using. Okay, okay. So I, I, I want to pause yeah, it. Uh, yeah, hold on. Also, Ian, 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 I'll give you Ian. Ian just let also finish. Also, also, Ian, also finish what you're saying and then go straight to Ian. What if? 
what if, what if, what if they're, you know, the soldiers there are being told they're performing an exercise? Is that possible? But I mean, but I mean, this is being distributed widely through Russian Telegram. We're, we're getting all this. Okay, let's uh, get another report here from Russia. What, what the heck's going on? is that military forces have been called into all major cities, leave has been cancelled, and Russian television has interrupted its broadcast to warn that there was an attempted coup against the leadership of the Russian Federation. Uh, Prigorin is now wanted by the FSB, that is the Russian security services previously known as the KGB. Clearly tonight, this is a story that is developing. What we are not clear about, uh, beyond an assumption, is which side the Russian military and the FSB sit on mm. and which side the Wagner group sits on. The reason for that is because whilst the Wagner group have criticised the head of the military, they have not criticised Putin himself. They've said, Pegorin has said, that the denazification attempt by the Russian military was a lie and a sham. The purpose of the war in Ukraine was to advantage oligarchs and to get a promotion for the head of the Russian army and that these people should now be removed and the war in Ukraine should end. Clearly, this is significant. If the Wagner Group uh, abandons its posts in Ukraine, then I think there would be a significant denigration of Russia's ability to take on Ukraine and perhaps even this might be the end of the war. So uh, there we are. That is uh, what we are seeing at the moment. We now know and we've got confirmed footage that Russian forces are streaming back to Moscow. We believe that they are defending the Kremlin rather than attempting to remove Putin from power. But clearly this is now a fluid situation. Pete, we've got about a minute left now. Uh, as a political commentator, what significance of the Bakhmut situation where Wagner forces are no longer fighting Ukraine but are instead fighting Russia. I think it's probably going to be the, uh, the most significant turning point in this entire conflict. This, this uh, will define where this conflict goes, I think I'm expecting more developments. Like we said, it's so fluid at the minute, it's really hard to kind of make these really broad judgments about what's going to happen, but I, I have to admit, this we, is, this so, is so going to be really Peter, just give me a second. The, the AFP's reporting, they're confirming that the head of the Wagner Group, Begorin, is claiming to have entered Rostov and attacked the wow. Russian military. That's, that is incredible. Wow. Okay. Shabbat shalom. Bye-bye.